welcome to Business Talk Sister Gawk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today we get the pleasure of talking to Evan Dahmer. You guys, I am so excited about this. I've known Evan for quite a long time, since college actually. And uh, we've had some pretty crazy adventures together. Uh, but today he's going to be talking with us about how um, he has quickly scaled a business to meet a need around COVID-19. So we're super excited to have him here. The first question we have for you, Evan, is what is your business? Yeah, so our business is focused around manufacturing face shields and sourcing personal protective equipment for healthcare and other professionals amidst the COVID-19 crisis. We, we primarily focus on face shields, like I mentioned, but we're working on a few other pieces of PPE, um, mainly face masks, if we can find them and where we can find them, but that's been our, our primary product so far. Awesome. So tell us, how did you start doing this? Like what led you to this idea and what background did you have before you were like, yeah, this is going to be something we can do? Yeah, this is one of the first businesses that I didn't walk in with a really defined vision or plan, but rather was introduced <laughs> to the opportunity and took advantage of the opportunity and, and tried to build something out of it. Um, we, we had just gotten out of uh, a real estate business. We had just sold a rental property and had some cash uh, available at the time. And the COVID-19 pandemic hit. Uh, and my dad came to me and more or less told me he'd started a manufacturing pipeline for uh, the, the top band of these shields. He was working on a, another business with a friend of his making face shields for some large corporate America clients uh, that were donating these materials to hospitals and, and they were manufacturing some of the components. Um, you know, he, he came to me and said, uh, you know, hey, can you sell these headbands? And I was like, why, why, why would I sell just headbands? That doesn't make any sense. And I, I dug in and, and you know, kind of didn't think much of it for a little bit. Um, and then you know, got in contact with one of my other previous historical friends who's actually in the medical supply business and really started to get a picture of what was going on here and, and the scale and the scope of the crisis. He, you know, he explained to me as, as he works in medical sourcing and asset tracking globally that these hospitals are absolutely desperate to get PPE. Um, there is insane price gouging and you know what essentially amounts to drug dealing going on with protective equipment right now oh. um you know he, he's doing much larger deals than we could ever imagine um with with much larger organizations and much larger healthcare systems than we could ever engage with um mm -hmm. just by the fact that we're not fda approved right now um but but he is doing deals in in which He's acquiring, you know, upwards of 10 million N95 masks and 10 million surgical masks and 10 million gowns. And there are multiple billion dollars of transactions mm -hmm. happening through escrow accounts across countries. Um, mm -hmm. just, just a really interesting scenario that's out there in the world today. Uh, it, and really what it amounted to is that, you know, China is stopping PPE from getting to the United States in a lot of cases, and the, the U.S. government is seizing it once it 
hits the United States. And once it's in the United States, all the states are fighting each other to some degree in bidding wars, trying to get a hold of the PPE. So what used to be a 75 cent, 80 cent, and 95 mask now runs anywhere from five to seven dollars at bulk prices. So you can imagine in a wow. 50 million unit order, which which this guy's doing, you know, that that really changes the scale of the transaction. You're going from a few million dollars to now a few billion dollars in some cases. Um, so, so you have GDPs of entire countries moving through hospital systems uh, and over to China trying to get a hold of this PPE. And what's really going awry is that once they order it, I'll, many times the PPE is not even getting here. You know, they're, they're, they're losing house and home to acquire this PPE. And then sometimes it, it just never shows up or the manufacturer sold it to somebody else or, or something happened in the middle or the government seized it. Um, so, so we decided to be an alternative source here in the United States. Everything's manufactured locally here in Minneapolis uh, in surrounding suburbs. And we've been able to source all the materials ourselves locally. So we didn't have to rely wow. on China um, in order to make this PPE that we're doing. And what, it, what explain to us what PPE is. Uh, PPE is personal protective equipment, so that includes, in, in the context of coronavirus, uh, that includes uh, face masks, you know, N95s, surgical masks, whatever fits okay. into those categories that actually protects medical professionals from the virus and, and helps okay. keep it away. We've got face shields, which are a piece of plastic that sits in front of the face that keeps uh, uh, cough particles and sneezes and things like that for where they could acquire the disease. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you said that your, your friend approached you about this and he asked you to sell these things. Were you familiar with the manufacturing process before this? I have been engaged. It, it, I, I grew up working for a manufacturing business for a long time. So, so I knew what the different methods were and the different things that were necessary. And my dad is actually an engineer um, so, so I'm, I'm connected to a lot of different suppliers in that respect, but, but really it's not rocket science in a lot of cases. Um, in this case, we partnered with a few different suppliers to help us, uh, build the material bomb out for the face shields themselves. We already had one component made, um, when, when I was first approached, I, I had to go source the shield, the plastic shield itself and the elastic banding that's on the back of the shield. Mm. To figure that out and we, we ended up you know collaborating with a supplier locally here uh die cutter that helped us source the material and helped us get connected with some other folks who helped us figure out the manufacturing process and, and land on what was a slightly more scalable solution than what we had so tell us about that process of like okay you started this business but i know you've mentioned to us like as we were talking you're really passionate about using business to give back and and how did you go from like basically manufacturing just a few with like a couple molds to suddenly like scaling to thousands of units so quickly yeah so so the I, I've always been a proponent of business for good um, you, you see companies like Salesforce taking a stand in the marketplace and, and doing similar things of using business as a platform for good I I believe much the same thing and in my 
past lives, I've, I've used my previous businesses for the same kind of purposes of donating time and money and, and profits into social causes of different varieties for different purposes. And in this case, we're for every shield that we, or every five shields that we sell or so, we're giving away one to a medical professional in need. Um, so we, we've already donated several hundred uh, to local communities. So actually we, we were able to donate to our own fire department and police department here in Anoka County. Um, we, we've donated to a couple of cities as well. Um, and we're hoping to continue doing so to maintain you know, that part of our, our vision. Because ultimately we're, we're trying to help with the coronavirus pandemic and, and help people be protected from the virus where necessary. Um, it's, it's all fine and good if we make some money in the process, but really that, that's the intention of all of it. That's what I love about business. You can just like do stuff, make money and provide value. And then you get to use that money to like give back to people. And mm-hmm. oh, I get so excited about that. <laughs> right. So I, I've heard said before, if all of, you know, some people think that money is evil, but if all the evil people have money, you know, they're, they're going to have the power to be able to mm-hmm. <laughs> influence change. Really, you know, it is a tool and an amplifier of your original intentions, you know, so, so the, the people who were good at heart and have good intentions from the beginning and then acquire capital and acquire power and acquire businesses and, and build businesses are really able to do some incredible things. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I was, I was listening to this podcast yesterday about farming actually, but um, it was uh, a guy that they were interviewing and, and I think it was England and he had a goat farm, which is apparently not common in England. But um, he, one thing that he said that kind of stuck with me is he said, you either get really big or you get really niche. Um, so it seems like you kind of are, are walking both of that right now. Like you're, you're scaling and getting bigger, but you're also, you're kind of in this niche market <laughs> like of, of shell, selling these face shields and, and manufacturing them and everything. So have you um, had experience with that before? Like with, so you, you talked about your other businesses and stuff and things and, and how much of that was able to transfer over to this experience and um, what experiences have you have you had that have really prepared you for this round of, of new adventuring in business? Great question. So I, I used to work, uh, when I got out of college, I, I sold my way into a job at a product development company uh, called Kablooey Design here locally here in, in Coon Rapids. Um, and, and I did marketing for them. And, and through that process, I learned a whole lot about the product development life cycle and how it works as I was marketing and selling their process and how they go to market. Um, in their case, it's the D3 process is, is how they, you know, kind of design, build, patent, deploy, scale. Um, you know, it, it's really interesting that you mentioned the, the two paths because we've, we've been feeling that dichotomy and that tension of scale versus, uh, scales versus niche. When we originally started, we, we, came out with a website we started marketing on facebook because as as becca knows we there's some challenges with google advertising and a few of the different platforms out there right now where ppe has been so abused in the ad platforms that ad platforms are no longer allowing you to advertise it Um, facebook has 
allowed us to in some respects we we there's a lot of things we can't do or say or show on facebook like you you can't show a picture of a person wearing a shield which is really troublesome and difficult to market a shield that's kind of conceptual that nobody's seen before right <laughs> it do, it doesn't automatically connect you to somebody wearing it to protect you from coronavirus but they're they're trying to make sure that they're they're not promoting misinformation and by doing so they they promote no information uh so we've pivoted over the last few weeks and really shifted into amazon um we we kind of abandoned all ships with the being everything to everyone on facebook strategy mm -hmm. and have been solely focused on scaling amazon now um, mm -hmm. as, as we're able to advertise freely there we have better tools there for scale um, and we outsold our website. What we did in website sales in a month, we outsold in a week mm. on Amazon. Wow. Um, Boom. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, it took a lot of advertising money and, and we're, we're still not what I would call massively profitable. <laughs> if profitable at all, we, we have a lot of inventory. Um, cause, cause originally we, we stocked our inventory because we had a big order from a, a state, which I won't mention their name. Um, we, we had a big order starting for a state down in the Southwest, uh, and they defunct it on the order and we couldn't, we, we got stuck with 14,000 units of inventory. So we, we more or less said, okay, what are we going to do now? <laughs> we, yeah. we just spent all this money on inventory. We got to figure out a way to get rid of it. So we, we did the website. We're, we're now on Amazon, um, and, and selling quite quickly through there comparatively, still have a long way to go in terms of where we want to be in, in terms of daily unit sales, but we're, we're taking the next steps with that now in shifting to fulfillment by Amazon. We were merchant fulfilled is what it's called before mm -hmm. where you, you know, an order actually comes to me like an e-commerce site would uh, and we fulfill it, we pack it, we ship it, blah, blah, blah. But, but what's really interesting about fulfillment by Amazon is it's actually cheaper than the shipping. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, like it cost me $10 to ship five shields to anyone in the United States. It cost me to have Amazon pick, pack, ship and do customer support. It cost me $3. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. So, so I saved $7 by having them do all my work. Yeah. Well, and just so you guys know, like Evan has been like keeping me updated on this journey like the whole time. I feel like I have a personal private blog feed to Evan <laughs> because he's just been like sending me text updates and like he sent me a picture of like a hundred boxes packed with labels and like I've done Amazon shipping for like fulfilled by seller and it takes so much time and he's like look it just sold 100 units or whatever and I'm like oh my word were you up all night <laughs> because that's a lot of work that's mm -hmm. awesome though that you're being able to see those things and figure out how to pivot that into oh this is working better this costs less um mm -hmm. So I am super excited about the next question I have for you because, I mean, I feel a little bit, like, honored that we, <laughs> that you're, you're manufacturing this because <laughs> I'm so excited about it. You are putting out a hot pink face shield and tell us about this and, like, how did you, like, change that and how are you going to niche it? Yeah, so I don't really have a great marketing plan yet, but but thanks to you, Becca, we had the idea 
of <laughs> producing a different color. We, we luckily had only produced the shield and the elastic strap uh, for most of the shields. The headbands are actually really easy to change you know, on short notice. That's like the one component that we mold internally to some degree. I mean, it's, it's my dad's company that, that molds them for us. So we have a little bit more flexibility there on inventory and on, on colors and molding and, and all the different aspects of that manufacturing process. And it is the most complex part as well. So it's nice to have extended control over that. But I mean, we, we, the nice thing about injection molding is it's super easy to change the color. You say, I want a different color. And then they run, you know, 50 parts that come out blended between your two colors. And then you get 500 parts of the new color. Mm. Um, and so long as you have the color, it's as simple as changing the pellets in the machine and it spits out something different. Um, we, we've seen a big uptick in demand on search terms for face shields for women. Um, so that that's going to be kind of my primary initial marketing tactic is is going after uh, females and just having something that's a little bit more customized. Hmm. Our, our competitors are getting a little bit more savvy as well. I mean, we're starting to see face shields come out with like puppy dog ears on the shield and little <laughs> like graphics on the front. That's all fine and good. It, it's not really a space we play in just yet in terms of actual graphics because a lot of the other more professional <laughs> a, a lot of the other competitors were, were up against were actually uh graphics companies that that seems to be the primary kind of organization that pivoted to mm -hmm. making face shields because a face shield takes a couple of components one of them is a laser cutter or a die cutter which most print shops have some mm -hmm. form of that most like promotional material shops have that um, we, we actually have our shields die cut now. We used to laser cut them, but it was incredibly inefficient and expensive. And, um, yeah, now we, now we pivoted to a larger scale model, but it makes it a little harder to do some customization like that. Well, I just want to let you know when we get ours, I'm going to totally flaunt them with pictures of us on Facebook and it's not going to be an ad. So Ain't nobody stopping me. <laughs> uh, anyways, sorry. Okay, so um, we have one last question for you. What resources would you recommend to someone who is thinking about starting out in a business that kind of has to scale quickly or meet a need that may be um, in, in their area? What would you recommend that they check out, like education or websites, whatever? Tell us what you think they should do. In the product space, lean on your manufacturers. Your manufacturers have a lot of great information and they're easy to find and they typically aren't doing anything better a lot of the time. Um, if you find small manufacturers locally who are building your product, they'll typically be able to help you a lot in, in your design and making it better for manufacturing. Um, so that, that's always a, a great tip. Don't, don't uh, ignore those resources that you have. Uh, YouTube is great. I mean, honestly, like <laughs> I, I, I have never sold a product on Amazon until last week. And now I've done, you know, we've sold almost 300 units on Amazon wow. in the last, uh, this is like eight days. So, I mean, it's incredibly rich marketplace of information out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would say, you know, from a, a tactical standpoint, keep focused on your marketing plan and just don't be afraid to pivot. Um, in today's market, especially 
the cheese moves often. Um, and, and you cannot be afraid to try something different. Uh, originally, we had kind of said, oh, Amazon's going to be too much work, uh, blah, 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 blah. And then once we actually just said, you know, who cares? Let's just try. Um, we, we found out it was way more scalable than our current model. Um, and it's incredibly, you know, to the point where we're like, 8x more effective from our website conversion rates <laughs> and, and other stuff just because we're farther down the purchase funnel. So mm -hmm. um, def definitely use the resources you have. You know, the, I didn't take any 